Howdy, and welcome to your Dog's Blessed Life Season 4. 2024 has arrived, and my goal was to get this recorded last week, and already I'm behind. So, so there you go. Welcome to my life. I thought what I would do is kind of go over a little bit of what's been going on and catch up. We also have some interviews planned going forward, so we're kind of excited about that. I'm trying to nail Emily to a time and a place for her to give us a recording uh, to talk about... Uh, breed specific legislation that's bsl for those in the know uh great britain passed a law just recently outlawing what they call xl bullies which is a thing i guess they're large bully breeds in america we'd probably just call them pity types or american bulldogs i think fall under that i don't know exactly the rules i don't live in the uk but they've they've made a bunch of rules about not being able to sell them, I think, or rehome them, or I'm not really 100% certain. They have to wear muzzles in public, blah, blah, blah. It's all about human safety. And I'm not saying I'm pro. I'm just simply telling you what it's about. So we're going to have Emily on to talk about that because Emily's always fun with her opinions. And I, I do think there is a place to look at kind of both sides. A lot of things don't have two sides. But I think that BSL could theoretically have two sides. I'm an American, so of course we don't really like laws. But but anyway, be that as it may. So we're going to talk about that with Emily. We're probably going to talk about some cool stuff with Maggie. She's got a, a great new job. She's working for veterinary behaviorists now and is doing most of her training, almost all of her training online, which I find fascinating. I, I do some training online, mostly with my students who go away for the summer. But I am not, that's not my f- that's my not my primary way of training and so I think it'll be interesting to hear her kind of take on online training versus in-person training I think that'll be a, a fascinating conversation and because I'm a horse trainer and so it's very very much uh, hands-on obviously whereas dogs are can be less so so that'll be fascinating and so I want we're going to talk to her about that we have a gentleman coming on to talk about us a, a rescue that works with contract dogs for the military but not they're not in the military so I guess the military had a really bad habit of just euthanizing every all the dogs all their service dogs other working dogs I mean or a lot of them when they would leave the country when they'd leave because it was cheaper than I don't know how only in the military's math would euthanizing a $30,000 dog be a good idea but uh, it's the military but anyway there's a law now passed in the United states where you can't just you you have to try to find a home for these dogs as best you can and there is a great service out there that does rehome these military dogs to folks but this gentleman reached out to me they work with military contractors so that'd be the folks you know a lot of our military now is is contracted out and those contractors have no obligation on what they can do with their dogs after they're used quote-unquote for in a war theater and so these folks are trying to help get those dogs to safety and help adopt them out so we're gonna have that person on in the next few months and talk to them that sounds like a fascinating conversation so we have a lot of things coming up I've also kind of got a lot going on I got a lot of plates spinning we just started our first PSA which is Protection Sports of America club and they are with American Schutzhund which apparently is different than IGP which I don't even know the difference there's lots of divorces going on in those worlds but anyway we just started our first PSA American Schutzhund club here in Tucson I'm the training director which is probably an indictment on (laughs) 
the quality of the kind of training we can get here in Tucson. We do have some very good IGP trainers, but one is is very far away from my house, and so this is just easier for me. And the other one has largely moved to doing search and rescue type stuff with the IGP, so I'd, I'd prefer to focus more on the bite work stuff with, with Matilda. So that's kind of exciting. I'm thinking of maybe trying to have our decoy on to talk about some stuff. There are interesting changes happening in the sport of IGP, which many would refer to as dumbing down. And I I think that's an important place to look at all dog sports. I just, uh, hopefully, theoretically, I should be getting an email shortly. I keep checking. Theoretically, any minute now, I will be a licensed AKC herding judge. And as part of that licensing procedure, I had to take a bunch of tests. I had to trial my dogs to a certain level. And I had to scribe or apprentice with multiple judges for 100 plus runs. And the judges, very nice. So this is not about being nice or not being nice. But their their philosophies, I believe, differed. Well, no, I don't believe. Their philosophies differed quite a bit from my own. And they believe that if they don't qualify, that is give scores above, I'm going to say 70, to every dog that darkens their door, that every dog that doesn't simply just eat the sheep or kill the geese, that they're going to kill the sport of herding for AKC. And I disagree thoroughly. I think that AKC is largely seen, sadly, as a joke by the other herding folks. Uh, USPCHA people will say that trialing an AKC will ruin your dog. Well, it's not that trialing will ruin your dog. But what they really do see is that dogs who are trialing in AKC are ruined. It's, it's not the trialing, it's the training. And it's training for a specific goal to get it done, handling the dog around the course, and just, in my opinion, making herding in AKC into a, a farce, into a joke, into a, a shell of what it, was, what it could be and what it should be. And so I, I think that's a fascinating thing. We're going to try to talk to somebody about that, about, like I said, the kind of the, the dumbing down of sports because we're afraid we're going to lose people versus keeping a high bar and asking people to step up. And, and I think there's an argument to be, both, to be made on both sides. Again, on that one, uh, even though I do sound like a snob and I understand that, USBCHA has no novice. The expectation of USBCHA is that you have a dog who can do insane outruns, you know, two, three, 400 out yard outruns and drive for 100 yards in a straight line and you can handle that dog and make the right turns. And, and that's a lot to ask anybody. And so unless you are able to get out and practice on big fields on a regular basis, there's just, that's very difficult. The bar to that might be too high, whereas the bar to AKC might be too low. And there's probably a happy medium. And that happy medium, of course, is going to be set by whoever is speaking at the moment, right? If I was speaking to somebody from USBCHA, they probably would disagree with me. And if I was speaking to one of these wonderful judges who allowed me to scribe with them, they would say, oh no, the bar is nowhere near low enough and that we need to invite people into the sport. And so I think there that'll be a great conversation with whomever I bring on. I, there are several people that I'm thinking of trying to bring on for that. Uh, we'll see who we can kind of track down. The other thing I want to talk about a little bit is we'll probably got to talk about, and this will be something because it'll be Emily and she'll be all head up. Dog sports alone seem to have failed to understand how to use the interweb. They they don't take money. Most people don't even understand how PayPal works. None of them have Venmo accounts. None of them have to work Zelle. You can't sign up for most dog sports online. You're literally printing out a piece of paper, writing with a pen, 
putting in an envelope, finding a stamp. It's like nothing has changed since 1984. And I think that does damage the sport. I think it damages any, I mean, NAD, North American Dock Diving, every single thing I enter with NAD is online. And that sport is growing. Now, part of the reason that sport is growing is probably because it's super easy. That high bar versus low bar. If I throw a ball off a dock and my dog literally falls off the dock and they do it five times, they've got a title. I think that's wonderful. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Because how high a standard do you need for some made-up sport? It's like if your dog doesn't go far enough off the dock, it's not like it affects their breedability. But they do well. They understand how to have people sign up online. They make it quick and easy to register your dog online. You're you're not having to jump through 45 loops. or you're, It's just... It's silly. It's crazy. It's like either my breeder, Emily, or myself, somebody, lost Briscoe's AKC's papers. So either she didn't hand them to me or she handed them to me and I instantly lost them. Either way, I... I point no fingers because I was in a hurry when I picked up Briscoe. And uh, because of that, even though he is ASK registered, to get his registration for AKC is turning out to be a massive pain in the ass. I have to contact Emily. Emily has to put down what she's doing. She has to contact AKC. It's this long, ridiculous road to hell on a dog whose papers literally exist. They're right in front of us. We have the sire. We have the dam. We have the genetics. We ha- He is already registered through ASK Australian Shepherd Club of America, which where she's also having difficulties with another litter of hers. So again, it's like they make it super difficult for us to trial our dogs. And then they wonder why we're not trialing our dogs. And speaking of trialing our dogs, uh, this past summer, I took Cody to her first and last open USPCHA trial. The goal was for her to get the sheep to my feet. And she did do that. Um, But then she, both times, she failed to make it to the first set of drive panels. First, because Cody's a super, super soft dog. She's a wonderful, wonderful little dog. Her heart is in the right place. She's all drive. But sheep that turn and stare at her confound her. And as much as she likes to move the cows, she cannot move the sheep. So what happened the first time is she finally decided to bring the sheep to me after me telling her repeatedly not to bring the horses that were being used at set out. And so she finally brought them. And when she got around the post, the handler's post, the sheep turned on her and faced on her. And that was the end of that. Because I'm not going to sit there and let my dog fail. It's just not appropriate. But that was a win. Because in my goal, my, my idea was she'd get them to my feet. Both dogs, that was my goal, Tag and Cody. And we'll talk about Tag in a second. So the second time Cody brought them down, again, we had to have a conversation about whether or not she was supposed to be herding horses. Turns out she's not. She brought them down. She brought them down at a little bit of speed. <laughs> but I don't care. Then she took them a wrong way around the post multiple times because her flanks are slower than the sheep move, so she couldn't outflank them. And in USBCHA, you have to rewind. You can't just go from that point. So I had to take them back around the post the correct direction. And then she was actually doing a great job. She had them going towards the drive panels and she was kind of being a little offline. I think she was probably going to miss the drive panels on the low side by maybe about 20, 30 feet. I mean, it was going to be a pretty significant miss. And so I thought, let's just try to swing her around a little bit and just aim those sheep a little closer to the drive panels and see if we can make it look like I'm making a stab at them. And I called the wrong flank. Instead of calling an away, I called a come by. The minute I called a come by, those sheep were facing the draw, their friends, and set out. 
or not set out in the in exhaust. And that was all she wrote. Uh, once that happened, there was no way Cody was going to get this straightened out. There was no way I was going to get her flanked back. So I flanked her all the way around to her fetch position, which is when she gets to bring the sheep to me, which is her favoriteest thing in the whole wide world to do. And she got to finish up doing her favoriteest thing in the whole wide world. Cody is nine and a half. She'll be 10 in May. So that, like I said, that was her first and last open USBCHA trial, unless somebody does them on a farm flock but I don't anticipate that happening. So Cody is going to be probably retired after this year. We're probably going to put her AKC championship on her, and then she'll be done for the year. Tag, tag my my haunted little tag dog. We spent all last summer tearing her hair out, trying to get Tag to hit the top of the outrun quietly and calmly and not fly into the sheep like a cannonball. And... My herding instructor and I and any voice that would speak up and that I could listen to, we had a thousand ideas. And we tried probably two or three of them over the summer. And we thought we had it. We thought we had finally kind of cracked the nut, as it were, and that we'd finally gotten in Tag's head enough that she could settle in and and pick up the sheep properly and not be a spaz. And then we took her to this new field, and there were horses that set out. And I'm like, fuck, there are horses that set out. And Tag has never seen horses that set out. And so instead of having a nice little fetch with my perfect little dog, who once I get my sheep, once she does the lift, if she can hold it together, which she normally does after the lift, my God, the dog is unbeatable. But instead, I got to run down the field screaming her name, which is not really something that makes you feel good about uh, your training. (laughs) When you're screaming your dog's name as they're driving the sheep out into the woods to never be seen or heard from again. So that was Tag's USBCHA. We didn't even try her in open. We tried her in ranch, a shorter outrun, and still the, the horses were her undoing. Both days were the same. They were both tragic. They both ended badly. And then on top of that, a month after that occurred, Tag suddenly came down with complete renal failure. And uh, it was one of those things where I caught it uh, she stopped eating one night, and so the next morning I took her to the vet hospital where I used to work, and they ran blood, and I said, I want blood run in-house too. Something's really wrong. My thinking was kidneys or cancer, and it was kidneys. And there's really not a lot you can do with a dog in renal fair. But there was a one-in-a-million chance that she'd picked up leptospirosis, which is a bacterium that lives in water, that is not endemic to most of Arizona. There's a small pocket of it that they've found in the lower Oak Creek Middle Verde River in Arizona. But other than that, there is no endemic leptospirosis population in the state of Arizona that we're aware of. And so, or at least disease-causing. I guess leptospirosis has 40 or 50 serovars, and some are not disease-causing. It's a complicated bug that I will not try to get into, but I... It, Needs to say, I spent a, a terrible week waiting to see if I was going to euthanize Tag and trying to hand feed her and trying to get fluids into her and, and hospitalizing her and just going through a, a nightmarish week. And it was leptospirosis, thank God. And we'd already put her on doxycycline in the hope that it was leptospirosis. And so renal numbers were coming up the last time we did blood work, but they were still very, very far outside of the range they should be at. But she was eating at the time and and pretty much normal. It takes up to six months for her numbers to get back to normal. So I'm going to wait those six months 
and then see what I have, and then we'll go from there. It was uh, terrifying. It was both terrifying before we got the diagnosis and after. The, diagno- the diagnosis was a huge relief because that meant it wasn't automatic euthanasia, but it also meant that we were fighting, still fighting for her life. It took her about three weeks to get back to eating, and then she had to gain back all the weight she had lost, and... I didn't put her back to work until I think over six weeks. We let her come down to the sheep because again, I didn't know if she's going to live or die. And I'm like, if she's going to die, I might as well let her have fun. So she did get to come down to the sheep, but she only got to do tiny little bits of work until she was completely back to her normal self. I'm still being somewhat careful with her hydration and making sure that she's definitely drinking enough and not getting too hot. Now it's cold, so it's kind of, she can take care of herself largely. But uh, that was terrifying. And that did bring up the question of vaccines. So I'm a veterinary technician and I've been in the business for quite a while and we don't give, as a rule in Arizona, we don't give leptospirosis vaccines, both because there is a feeling in the industry, even though the vaccine manufacturers claim that there's not, that the leptospirosis vaccine does cause more localized irritation, pain, reactions, etc. Again, the vaccine companies say that the research shows this isn't true, but anecdotally, it looks like it is. So again, you know, that's a hard thing to balance. But even with that, in Arizona, because we only have this one little endemic area, unless somebody's going to specifically go someplace that has leptospirosis and allow their dog drink to drink out of creeks, we've never really thought much about it. But when I started herding with my dogs, I started go- traveling. And I w- first thing I noticed was at the end of the run, there's always a stock tank filled with water. And the dogs would jump in the stock tanks. Great. Well, I saw dogs urinating in the stock tanks when they got in it. And I freaked out because I'm like, well, shit, this is how you catch leptospirosis. It's urine. It's urine to water to oral. And so I freaked out and I I asked a friend of mine who knows people who are in the business of knowing these answers, not just a veterinarian, but somebody who actually is involved with the pathological lab at the University of Arizona and therefore knows what they're talking about when it comes to these types of diseases, much more than even our veterinarians, because he's the vet who teaches the vets, you know, who tells the vets what to do. And her answer and his answer was, no, we, we do not vaccinate. Uh, the vaccination costs has four serovars. There are 40 serovars out in the world, so that's 10%. And his his belief or his understanding is that you can't get it tighter after three months, after 90 days, that the the, the vaccine lasts 30 days, 90 days. And it needs a booster and it needs to be given annually. And and the risks are, are higher of the vaccine reaction than the likelihood of my dog getting leptospirosis. So I rolled the dice and I took a chance. And I, the, the trial I went to was in Arizona, but the dogs were from out of state. And so one of them must have had it. That's all I can think of this has having happened because she didn't go out of state and drink out of weird water anywhere. And she got it at one in a million chance. So once again, I called and and his answer was exactly the same. He doesn't recommend the vaccines. But what we are doing now is we are starting to give doxycycline when I leave town. So if I, I just went to like a month and a half ago, I went to a three-day cattle dog workshop in Texas. And so I started giving doxycycline to Tag and Briscoe before we went so that I would feel that they were protected. And 
then I didn't worry as much. And so I gave the doxy for two weeks and everybody's fine. And again, even in places where lepto is endemic, dogs don't seem to catch it a lot. But I, I ended up with three dogs here that had it, both my neighbor's dog and my foster puppy both caught it. And I believe uh, Matilda was symptomatic and Dice may have been symptomatic. So I ended up with several dogs positive for leptospirosis. And we did talk about that and whether or not it was maybe because these dogs are naive, their immune systems are naive to it, or I, I don't know. So that's just another <laughs> thing that happened this fall. It's been in kind of a crazy few months. Tag finished up her novice rally title after seeming to take for three years to do it. That is not an indictment on her as a dog who can work, nor is it an indictment on me as a trainer. It is an indictment on my ability to, to be organized enough to, once again, print out a piece of paper and put a mail on it and put a stamp on it and put a check and do all that stupid 1984 shit in the time frame that I need to do it for AKC. It's just a pain. And then she went into season last year, right? We, we were going, we actually had times and plans and then she went into season and AKC doesn't think that boy dogs know how to control themselves. So girl dogs who are in season aren't allowed anywhere near those out of control boy dogs. So Anyway, that's that's what happened there. And so, oh, going back to tag. So anyway, after after the whole ordeal with tag, so first we had the situation where I worked all summer on her trying to get this, fix this outrun lift and, and the lift on the sheep, only to have the whole thing collapse because she saw a horse. It was obviously very disheartening. It, it was extremely disheartening. I was, I've never been disappointed in that dog in my entire life. And I was disappointed. I was actually pretty mad at her. And, and it was really upsetting for me. I didn't like that feeling, that emotion. I was, I was, it was very upsetting. And I realized at that moment that I'm going to have to rethink everything that I was going to do with her future. And then of course, a month later, her future is completely up in the air, whether or not she's even going to have one, which is even more devastating. But then she got better, thank God, and now we're back to, well, where we go with her future. So we're going in a different direction with her. So it's kind of interesting. In herding, there are multiple venues. The big four is AKC, AHBA, which is American Herding Breed Association, ASCA, Australian Shepherd Club of America, and USBCHA, which is United States Border Collie Handlers Association. Only two of those have invitationals, which means there are only two of them that have points that you can accumulate through the year and try to get to a national championship. One is ASCA. Well, Border Collies are not invited to the ASCA Nationals for good reason. The other is USBCHA, which is exactly what we were trying to get into and the exact problem that TAG has, which is big open field runs. Even if we could do time and points to get to nationals in USPCHA, the nationals is not time and points in an arena. The nationals is a big open field. And there's no point in taking up a space for somebody else, even if we could do it, because it's not appropriate, because she would fail. So I had to suddenly come up with a new plan for her. Well, there is, there are other options. There's a group called MSSA, which is Mountain State Stock Dog Association. And they do almost, I think almost entirely or totally entirely time and points trials, which we did last year here in Arizona, which were a blast. I loved them. You save money on judges. Uh, it's a true test of the dog. And it's, it's just numbers. It's how many cows or sheep can you get through the course 
in the allotted time with everybody going through each element. And it's, it's, there's, no, there's no subjectivity to it. It's either they do it or they don't. And so I kind of like that. And it was fun because the courses are all, always different and they can get really gnarly and difficult, which I really enjoy. And so you can, they have a national championship every June somewhere in Wyoming. And the, the season is, I believe it starts end of June and then goes through the following June. So it was one of those things where I kind of got on board with the idea midway through the season. So obviously qualifying for this year is probably not going to happen because we're looking at it's January now and I'm doing my first MSSA trial in two weeks and it'll also be my first trial on cows. So my, my anticipation of success is low, but the hope is that if we kind of fart around with it a little bit this year and then next year get serious, find some good trials, get her do, working really well, either with cows or sheep, doesn't matter. We can hopefully cross our fingers and do MSS, MSSA and get to nationals in 2025. Would that be right? 2025? Yes, 2025. So anyway, that's the goal for that and then Briscoe is turning into an amazing little dog. He will be two in March. We've been put, he's been on stock. Uh, he was on stock last, like April, May. And then the wheels came off in June, July, and August. He became uber sensitive, where if you looked at him wrong, he'd freak out, run home. Uh, he's an adolescent boy Aussie, so they can be a little squirrely. So I just put him away. I didn't even bother trying to train him when he was in that mood. I, I stayed, you know, I worked on him in obedience and the fun stuff, but any place I had to put a little bit of pressure on him, like, you know, not taking a sit or down or stand in, in on the sheep or coming in and blasting at them where I had to kind of get him out of there and tell him to knock it off. Anything like that, I just stopped for three months. So he went back to trialing or he went back to work, I'd say in September, only he would have, but I was dealing with tag. So I want to say more like October, we started really started really focusing back on him. And oh my God, he's blowing my doors off. He's going to be such a nice little dog. So the goal for him is we're going to cross our fingers. We're, gonna, we're looking seriously at Aska Nationals next year. We'll see. It's in, it's in Nebraska. So that's a little bit of a haul. I'm not really certain if we're going to get there, but that's the goal. And MSSA, they have a nursery. They have nursery, intermediate, and open. I'll be running tag and open, and I want to run Briscoe in nursery. And nursery is all driving, so he we have to come pretty far right now he's only fetching which means he brings the sheep to me and so we'll see and what we'll try to do is when we take trag to trials we'll see if we can take him along maybe not necessarily anytime soon maybe the next six months maybe the next nine months there's no need to rush see how he's going with that and let's see what else is going on oh matilda matilda the little spaz uh we're not fingers crossed we're going to hope that she can pass her bh which is the temperament test required to do IGP, hopefully, fingers crossed, in a couple of weeks. We also have a trial coming up for that. And B, uh, Briscoe is also going to do his BH. He's not going to go in the biting direction. He's not a biter. He's a lover, not a fighter. He will do search and rescue through IGP as well. He, he's really enjoying that aspect of it, and I think he can do very well if I kind of pay attention and start to really focus on that and and train actually train that so that's kind of what's been going on here I have a foster puppy who's taken up my entire summer she is a, an amazing puppy but she's extraordinarily high drive she absolutely needs a working home or, or a sport home 
And the wheels have completely come off the rescue community in America. I think and in the Western and in Western Europe, I think is in the same boat. Everybody who went out and bought dogs in 2020, 2021, suddenly realized they have jobs now and they're all relinquishing their dogs. And the world is filled to the brim with unwanted dogs. It's a tragedy and it makes me furious with the stupidity and selfishness of human beings. And the bullshit reason that people have for giving up dogs is just horror to me you know like I'm going back to nursing school like you didn't know you're going back to nursing school when you got this dog and you don't think dogs can be in the house when you're going to nursing school it's just it's a it's infuriating so anyway so the shelters are full the shelters that euthanize are euthanizing multiple times a week the border the the border collie rescue that I'm working with is full to the brim with dogs and I've had this puppy since April I had her brother too because I couldn't find a foster for him so I took him uh, he found a home, a great home, actually, with my neighbor who owns a vineyard. So he's a great little vineyard dog because he's low drive. And this little girl, though, is all drive all the time. I've put her on sheep. She's adequate. She'd be an AKC or, star, or like chore dog. She, we did some bite work with her. She's a border collie, but she's an intense little thing. She'll be an amazing agility dog. She loves water. She could be a dock diving monster. So we're just trying to wait for the perfect home for her. We've had a lot of people call up and they're like, well, we jog once a week or we go camping on weekends. I'm like, you, you, that's not for a high drive dog. Um, so I think talking a little bit about what the state of, of how to foster maybe would be a great topic to go over this, this year as we go into the 2024 and what how to get it or how to adopt a dog and not get wreckage how to adopt a dog properly how to get a good adopt a dog because there are great dogs out there for adoption but for every great dog there's probably five or six who aren't so great and you don't want those dogs and unless you want a project but most people just want a dog and so there is a way to make sure that you get that kind of a dog and that's knowing how to go through rescues knowing what kind of rescues to look at understanding how the rescues work etc so we've got a lot on the table going forward for 2024 we have a very busy month of january uh, for us and so but the hope is that we're going to be good and and record stuff on a fairly regular basis so anyway i just want to try to touch base kind of tell you where we are kind of get the ball rolling again and we'll see you next week when we talk about whatever we're going to talk about next week happy training we have a facebook page that is your dog's best life on facebook and we are hoping to get a patreon page going in a few months we'll see how it goes thanks a lot have a great day happy training